Welcome back to Overanalyzed. Uh, yet again, we have done like a nine-month hiatus between recordings. Hopefully, we're better about this because as we were talking about just getting ready to start the show and talking about topics, is that we've recorded, well, we've had many overanalyzed discussions in the last nine months, but they were over the cell phone, you know, the, the pesky cell phone, you know, land, not, not landline calls, but you know, over the air calls, not, not zoom, no recording, no, no nice microphones. And, uh, it's time that we, we talk to the people again. <laughs> How you doing, June? Instead of talking to just, you know, each other, <laughs> what, well, what, kind, of just, each what other. kind of communication is that? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of exciting to, uh, be talking in this in this aspect again you know it's a little different it's definitely different um, let's just get right into it a lot has changed since we last recorded um june had a car sold a car had no like only one car in the house and then bought a car again only <laughs> in this time period and i had no dog and now have a dog and so, then you sold the dog, and then no. <laughs> very much not sold the dog. You might even hear it during this recording at some point because it's hard to edit her out if she barks and I'm talking. Well, that would be a great <laughs> guest appearance. It's pretty quiet usually, but yeah, nevertheless, yeah, lots have changed. We'll start off with the the whole Pixel thing. So Pixel's the name of the dog. If you want to follow her on Instagram at Pixel Claris, uh, Claris like the dog cow in mac os 10 where when you do like a print dialog box it gives you the orientation of uh you know your your piece of paper that's uh that's claris the dog cow (laughs) so i gotta ask is it uh as someone who's not you know who's doesn't have social media accounts is uh is a dog instagram account pretty normal is a pet it's Instagram tremendously account? normal. Ah, okay. They, uh, there are is this huge, huge, huge amount of people that do this, and some of them are very popular, right? Like, like dog influencers. All right, you know and, what my next uh, question is going to be then. <laughs> okay, if your dog and, is popular enough. Oh no 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 not at all. Now, she's get, so the 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 thing that you'll see with dog Instagram accounts. This is very different and new to me because I've never had a dog. Is um, like Rachel made the decision. And I agree with it. Of like we're only following dogs on this account, right? Even <laughs> if Pixels met the person and is friends with the person, so to speak, like Pixel only follows other dogs. So um, you know we follow dogs, and it because it's become like Rachel's way of looking at dog photos, and. Uh, and they don't, and they follow you back, right? The dogs follow you back. We've gotten multiple messages to be ambassadors for products, like. So that's what that I was many. gonna. I was that was my question so, was like, what if you start sponsoring I, I stuff? I think products. they're like automated, dude. Like, I don't think it's. I don't think it should be anything special. Like, I think they just sent to anybody kind of thing. Because like we only have maybe I don't know, 150 followers or something. I, it's not. It's not like I don't feel like we're influencers. Also, like our our quality of post is not there. I'm not trying to dog on you know the, the quality of posts but i'm just saying like it's not there if you want to be an influencer you gotta put a lot more tender love and care you can't be cropping out people's feet as i was showing you <laughs> i gave rachel the nth degree for cutting her out feet again and i was like i compose this image so perfectly <laughs> and then you cut the feet <laughs> <laughs> well instagram so, is what like it, it forces you to do a square right um a square no, you don't have to do a square so this uh, is this is the problem 
Rachel's workflow for posting a picture on Instagram is like tap the, the post button, tap the image she wants to share, tap next, tap next, like caption post, right? Like she taps the image, however it crops, it crops, and it's not intelligent. Like they don't, they don't do any ML on the phone to be like subject awareness. No, they literally are like, you know, like how, how can I make this a square right in the middle? You know, which is kind of fascinating for a company that big not to be using the ML frameworks to like try to make a crop that makes sense is, uh, I would say downright malicious to be honest, but like, they might be working on it. Yeah. Working on it, dude. Like underscore David Smith did it in one of his apps in like a day or two, like working on it. (laughs) What is this madness? (laughs) They don't have that guy working for them. So (laughs) (laughs) they have hundreds of people. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is not new stuff, but nevertheless, um, they, uh, that, that's her workflow. Me, I'm over here. Like, am I going to do a creative crop? Right. Because you can't do a three by two image, right? You can't do a true, like off the sensor image on Instagram, which is really upsetting. But what you can do is, you know, a creative crop and you can do a little bit taller. You can do, you know, wide, you can do a lot of things, um, that don't have to be the square anymore. So, you know, I think about it a little bit. Sometimes I take pictures in square. A lot of times, like if I'm taking a picture on my phone and I know it's going on Instagram and I want it to be a square, for instance, I'll shoot in square mode on my phone because like, you know, you got to compose it right for the, for the gram. Cause like, if you want to, if you want to stay true to the square, which for a long time I was very like square purist, um, you know, you got to think about it beforehand. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like it, it would probably help, too, if Rachel watched some of those uh, Jared Polin uh, photo critiques. <laughs> Tell me about it, I mean, you yeah. do learn a lot just from, you know, watching those, watching them bash other people's, as long as it's not Never my have I ever said creative <laughs> crop in my life until watching this guy. <laughs> you know, like, I just called it a crop. He calls it a creative crop. <laughs> there you go. Because Jared Polin does not crop. But nevertheless, that, that's a whole other bag of worms. Uh, <laughs> my photography endeavors we'll we'll talk about later but uh yeah th- this has been different for me uh like for instance today i got hung up at work and i had to like put an emergency call to our dog walker being like can you walk her and like give her some food and like because she's gonna you know have to go to the bathroom any minute now and definitely it's gonna get hungry by now so he's like yeah i could go down in like 15 minutes i was like that's perfect thank you so much so um so- stuff like that does that dog walker have keys then to your apartment? Sadly, he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong. I just, I don't, I, I don't like the fact that somebody has our keys that we don't like know for long. Like this is an arrangement, right? Like we met him for this arrangement, uh, but he lives in the building. So like, it's super convenient in that regard. And um, like I said, he's, he's a very nice guy and, and like uh, just a gentle soul. Like I, I would be shocked if anything ever happened because of it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, like he definitely doesn't seem like that. He, he he walks many dogs. It's not just our dog. Um, so I just like I feel confident in him. And yeah. Uh, but that being said, she's now old enough. So she's like four and a half months for listeners at home. She's now old enough that we can take her to doggy daycare. And I think she'll get a lot more exercise. And it's very similar in price to having him come twice a day. So we're gonna start doing that. We started looking into places as I'm saying emails actually today. Nice. Yeah. And that's just gonna be better for her. I think like. I got home today and I like scarfed down food and then was like, all right, we're going to the dog park. And like, unfortunately there was no dogs. It was too late, I guess. So I'm like throwing the ball and then I chase after it with her. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I get some exercise. She gets some exercise. 
There you go. Half the time she gives up though. Half the time she's like, that's enough. And she just sits down mm. and I'm like, no, we're, we're running. Come on. You have too much energy. <laughs> that's what I feel like with the kids sometimes. They just like want to get in the stroller or just, they just want to get held. And I'm like, no, you need to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's definitely didn't different. Like you have to keep a really close eye on her sometimes. She's a lot better than she used to be because she used to like just bite and chew on everything. Now she bites and chews on very certain things. Um, and that's good. Like that's kind of what we wanted. She's allowed to chew the things that she chews on now. Like she doesn't chew on our furniture anymore. Not that our furniture hasn't been forever scarred by it, but uh, <laughs> you know, she's not chewing on our furniture anymore. Her new thing, I don't know why she does it, is like pause the water bowl and make splashy splashy. I think she enjoys it. I think she finds it fun. And, and we were like, well, you know, you're gotten big enough now. We're going to get you the ergonomic holder. So you don't have to bend like all the way over to get to your water bowl. It like lifts it up seven inches. You know, it's just like a lifted bowl, essentially. She still does it there. I thought I, I said for sure she's not going to like, you know, be able to do it. But no, she just <laughs> hops up and does it there. And I'm like, no. And she's like on a tilt, you know, an angle. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I swear dogs are just like kids. Yeah. That's through phases. Same thing. <laughs> splashy, splashy. If there's a puddle, <laughs> splashy, splashy. Doesn't matter. So what do, what do you guys like the most about about having a dog? Well, I mean, Rachel puppy. loves this. Like, this is her, this is her end game, right? And, uh, you know, for me, like, I, I could do without the dog in a heartbeat. Which, I mean, maybe sounds terrible. But, like, if the dog disappeared tomorrow, I'd be like, okay. Like... <laughs> that's that's fine um we I, i'd be no rush to replace um but that being said like there are positives to it like there are fun moments and stuff um but like i could totally go back to the pre-dog life and not be like regret it i mean maybe i'll be maybe i'd be wrong right perhaps there's a chance that if i went back to that life i'd be like i miss this but i kind of doubt it <laughs> <laughs> just because like you lose a lot of free time it's like a lot more difficult i mean you know this with having kids like it's a lot more difficult to just do simple things um because you're trying to keep an eye and i'm like i never used to take almost the whole month to do our finance report but like sometimes i take forever to get to it because i'm waiting for her to fall asleep and like sometimes i'm not you know wanting to do it at that point <laughs> yep yeah, yeah i mean it's like 100 training for kids so like <laughs> I feel like in a way, once we do have kids, I'll be indifferent about having a dog because it's like the exact same burden. Not exactly, but you know what I mean? Like it uh, puts on a condition set to my life that's quite similar. And uh, I don't think it'll be like, it's not too much additive. Because like I said, she's getting better and better every day from being a puppy that like, it's not as bad as it was when she was as young as she, when she was much younger. Cause that was also terrible just from like getting up in the middle of the night a couple, several times, take her to the bathroom. Like now she sleeps through the night most nights and every once in a while we'll be like, let me out, you know, a little early. Mm-hmm. Fine. But like most of the time it's, she sleeps through the night now. Yeah. Well, okay. So would you say there's like, I don't know, I guess I'm afraid that if, if, and when you guys have kids that like, <laughs> you're just going to be like, all right, this baby. You know, if, if, if we just lost him the next day, him or her, <laughs> yeah, you know, no big deal. <laughs> I, uh, so I don't know if, uh, with a, like, there's gotta be something right with like, okay, unless, I mean, for me, like a baby is just not the same as a dog, right? Obviously. It's not the same. I think yeah. so too. Like another thing that's changed in the pandemic life 
is like everyone, their brother that I know has had a kid that never had a kid before. Like we're starting to become the only people without a kid in, in, in at least Rachel's friend group and some of my friend group. Right. So, and they weren't like, you know, pandemic baby, like they weren't like, you know, planned to have during the pandemic, but that's just the way it planned at played out. And like, I used to like be like, uh, kids, they're kind of the worst. And now like, I don't hate them totally. So like, you know, that's kind of cool. Um, and I can see like how much the parents like care about the kid. I can like pretty easily like copy, paste, modify those settings to be like, oh yeah, like I could see how this would apply to me and I'd be the same way. Like, I mean, it's just been different. And I think, um, hopefully the next time we record, we don't have a kid. You know what I mean? Like hopefully record <laughs> not like, you know, that long. Hey, at the rate of like, waiting oh. 10 months before rec- between recordings, that's entirely possible. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's not possible right now, but like, you just have I to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel's at work, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> can't do that. That'd be, uh, incredible. So anyways, um, yeah, dog life is a, it's, a, it's different. It's not horrible. Like I said, like today I came home finally after a long day's work and Pixel was so excited to see me, which usually I don't get that kind of excitement. She much prefers mom. And like, you know, sometimes it's kind of annoying in a way. Like I'll wake up in the morning, Rachel's still sleepy. I'll get up with Pixel. I'll try to play with her. But like the second she hears that Rachel's moved, cause you know, they got that dog like hearing, she like goes to that door and just waits and like is <laughs> wagging her tail. And I'm like, I'm right here. I was playing with you. And she just leaves me. <laughs> and she'd rather wait there for mommy, you know, for however many minutes it takes her to like get ready or do whatever the heck she's doing <laughs> than play with me. Come on. Oh man. That is that is my world. Welcome to my world. Mommy is a million times better than dad for some reason. For good reason. Daddy's a little strict. <laughs> I think it's the same reason here, dude. <laughs> like, I'm very strict with Pixel. I'm like, these are the things we're supposed to do. I read yep. the book, and like, uh, she's like, but what, if, what if she's not okay? I'm like, she's fine. She's playing us. <laughs> but the, the best story I got for this whole thing is when um, <laughs> she Rachel had to work at 24 the next day, and Pixel was not having it. From like the hours of 10 to 3, she was barking every like you know couple of minutes. Like she just did not want to sleep. So we weren't sleeping and like we took her out. She wasn't doing anything. She was just being bad. And eventually Rachel got fed up. Like I never saw her get fed up at Pixel. She's like actually like annoyed with her. And I was like, it's finally happened. So <laughs> it's like, and she's like, what, what should we do? And I'm like, Rachel, I told you she doesn't ever do this when it's just me. Cause it was a phase. It was like a week or two phase. I was like, whenever it's just me, she just goes to bed and she's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I do nothing. She can bark all she wants. I'm not getting up. And she gives up after like the longest, most agonizing seven minutes of your life. Like it feels like forever, <laughs> particularly in the middle of the night when people are trying to sleep and you're like worried about it. Right. But you're like, this is the best case for everybody. Like she's going to bark for seven minutes and that's it. And I said, do nothing. Literally nothing. Don't turn. Don't think about it. Just ignore it. Sure enough. Give her eight minutes. She was done. And and that was it for the rest of the night. And I was like, see, you just do nothing. It's just like a kid. My mom told me this and I believed yep. her and I was like, yep. I just went with it. I was like, yeah, I mean, this is also the easiest thing for me to do. Nothing. <laughs> I can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's like, I mean, that that that's bringing me flashbacks to when we were doing sleep training with our kids. And for a long time, like we tried different things. And I, I you know, we had friends that eventually would like do nothing. Like, you know, some people call it cry it out or whatever. And you yeah. just set a timer. And for us, we we're like, okay, 
let's do 10 minutes, right? If he's still crying after 10 minutes, then we go into this room. And like, but that, that 10 minutes for me, I'm just like, all right, let me just like plug up my ears and I'm good to go. But for Carolina, it's like, you've like, you know, your, your child, like screaming and crying. It's just like the hardest 10 minutes. Right. And I'm like, yeah. just, just ignore it. Just, <laughs> I mean, I don't love it. Right. But like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, she's fine. She's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. She's just throwing a tantrum. Huh. And huh. <laughs> it's super funny too, because we went to, we're, we're doing doggy training now. Like we're, we're taking her to like the classes and you know, pixels usually actually really well behaved. Like a lot, we all get a lot of compliments for how well she's trained and behaved, et cetera. Uh, for her age and and she gets to this class and it's like she's never been told hey there's two dogs here don't play with them right like we're here for something else so she was barking and barking and barking and i said to him you know like what would you do in this situation like she's a little bit verbal now like because she'll bark to let her us know like she needs to go outside you know to go to the bathroom she'll go to the door sometimes and if we don't like notice fast enough she'll bark and other times she barks just randomly, but like that was like not so much a thing anymore. Um, and you know, he's like, well, you know, he kind of set up a bad habit because now she's like, you know, when I bark, something good happens. So like, Toll's just like, don't do anything and like, don't recognize it. She'll pick up pretty quick. Like, it's not the way to get attention and stuff. And I'm like, easy enough. Like you said, <laughs> just don't. The, the hardest part for us, I guess, is like when I know she needs to go to the bathroom and I'm like trying to tie, like finish something up real quick. Like maybe I'm doing the dishes. And then, like, she barks, and I'm like, I know, like, I'm trying to get there, but I don't want to reward the bark, but I do want to let you out because I was totally part of my plan, you know? Like, that's, like, the hardest part right now uh, to kind of arbitrate, but, like, not acknowledging her barks when she's in the crate, when she just went to the bathroom and she should be fine, dude, I can do that all day long. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's super easy, right? Like, you just do it. <laughs> and, um, and like I said, like, it always works. Like, 100, 100% of the time it works. Ah, uh, Alec, you are <laughs> you are ready for a kid, my friend. You, from from the way you're describing it, it's like ah, you're ready. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I do doing think, a great job like, with the dog. <laughs> I do think with the dog, like it has trained me for this. Like it definitely has prepared me because I think like if I had a, a kid first, like these would all be new concepts, right? But with the dog, like they're they're a different sort of kid in like a lot of the training ways. So like you just and you just have to trust it, right? Like. People have done this millions upon millions of times. There's some lore that like truly actually works and just like go with it. Like, don't try to think so much. Don't, you know, don't, don't reinvent the wheel. Like this is a really stupid problem. Like try to solve new problems. Don't try to solve like the raising a kid problem. Like whilst it's a, a nuance and there's no perfect way of doing it, there are ways to do it that are not like detrimental to your kid. <laughs> so like, I'm here for it. I'm just going to follow some basic rules, read a book and just do it. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to make that another complication in my otherwise complicated life. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's one of those things where I would think to probably similar to pixel. I don't know about if you guys have done this, but you're going to have to have a conversation too and make sure like, Hey, you're both kind of agreeing on how to, for example, discipline your kid, right? How to, um, I mean, how to do things in the same way. Cause I feel like, mm -hmm it gets pretty confusing if like Carolina and I aren't communicating about how to do something with our kid. But, and then, so we're sending him different messages. Right. And then he's just mm -hmm. like, wait, but you know, wait, how am I? I mean, like as, as simple as like, how am I supposed to wash my hands? Cause he's like, we realize, Oh, Carolina and I teach him totally different ways of washing his hands. <laughs> it's like, Oh wow. I, I may pre soak your hand and then apply soap kind of guy. Right. Cause then, cause then you get more bubbles. Right. When you, when you rub your hands, it's together. the only way. 
Yeah, I know. Carolina's not. <laughs> she's totally not. And then, I'm like, every time I'm like, Gabe, you forgot to pre-wet your hands. And he's just looking at me like, oh, and I'm like, oh, that's because, like, mommy just took you, and she didn't do that, you know? <laughs> I feel like if you don't pre-wet your hands, it's like a way to get drier hands. That, you know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta pre-moisturize. And the soap just feels disgusting in your hand when it's all, like, you're trying to rub yeah, you soap on that. a dry hand. Like, eh, no. No. It's ridiculous. It's like uh, putting shampoo through dry hair. Insanity. Like, unless it's dry shampoo. Oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's dry shampoo. You, you pre-wet your hair. You got to prepare it. <laughs> you got to wet the way. Uh, I'm so glad I'm so glad uh, you, you're on the same page here with me. That's... Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, straightforward. <laughs> it's logical. <laughs> oh, man. I always just marvel at how much... Um, how similar it is, like, training dogs is sometimes to, like, you know, raising a kid. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not really that surprising when you think about it, right? But, um, but because I've never had a, an animal, a pet, um, I've only had children, that hearing how, oh, other people, you know, when they train their pets, it's like, oh, yeah, wow, you guys do it the same way. That's interesting. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. And, like, yeah, and I think... Um, for a lot of people, you know, they do get pets before having kids, which, um, I, I, to be honest, like I used to think that was a silly idea. Cause I thought like, well, <laughs> hang on. Kids are hard enough as it is. Why would you want like a dog in the mix as well? Or a cat, you know? Um, so I always thought like you have your kids first and then that the kids get older then you know, once the kids are less of a handful, then you can have a pet. And then the, mm-hmm. by then, your kids probably want pets anyways. So I, I always thought that was the order of things. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Yeah. I think you know, wouldn't want to have a puppy at the same time as having a baby. Like, yeah. that would just be absolute mayhem, you know. But, um, yeah, because we, we've talked about this. Like, we're not going to get a second dog if we got a second dog whilst we have a baby. Like, or if we pretend, like predict that we're going to have a baby or whatever, like, like they cannot overlap whatsoever because the first, you know, I mean, like I said, she's much better now, but it's still like far from a, a job complete. Like she's still very much a, a, very much a puppy that we need to work on uh, and train. Like she doesn't have as good recall as like we want and stuff like that. So like, you know, there's, there's more to be done here. Like no circumstance. Do I really want to mix that with a baby? Like yeah. that just feels like a lot. And like the dog thing is um, much easier to control. Uh, you have to, like go after it <laughs> you know what i mean mm. um whereas like having a baby can be much more serendipitous um obviously like there is a, a premeditation to it somewhat but like um you know you could try for a while before it works out so like it's you're not 100 percent sure when it's going to happen whereas like with a dog like you know like you know when they're going to have a litter like you know that the dog exists like you know this or if you're adopting right the same idea like you know um that you're adopting or in the process of adopting, uh, which we did try to do for what it's worth for anyone who's like, why did you buy a dog? Like we tried to adopt for a while. It didn't work out. And we eventually were like, we wanted the, you know, so <laughs> that's what we did. We went from a reputable breeder, you know, not a puppy farm. Very nice. Very nice uh, situation. So if you have um, a kid in 10 months, let's just say hypothetically here, uh, is that enough? Like in 10 months, do you think pixel would be like, you know, at an age and maturity that would be like, okay to then also then have a new kid, an infant. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. 
Yeah. I mean, she would she would still be pretty high energy. Like she's not like she's not a puppy, but she's also not like an adult per se. Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, she's definitely an adult. She's like menstruated by then. But you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I'm just like trying to be. They say the first two years is still like a developmental phase, so to speak, um, and then it's kind of like the rest of life. Um, but yeah, for sure, she'd be much much better by then, and uh, I would say definitely could be game for a kid. Um, but that's not happening in the next. Well, could we be pregnant in the next ten months? Yeah, where we can have a kid in ten months, that seems highly unlikely. <laughs> I think I I think downright impossible actually. Um, there's a, there's a chain of events that has to occur before we can do that. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, right, pretty much right around the time we recorded our last episode was when I had sold my car. Um, uh, and so at that time we did have Carolina's minivan, um, uh, which is a great minivan, by the way, like minivans are amazing. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll get on that a little more later, but, uh, and, and we had my stinger, my, uh, Kia stinger and, and it was, you know, a few months into the pandemic in 2020 and, you know, we were all working from home, uh, and I'm just like every day looking out the window, looking at the stinger and looking for an excuse to drive it. Right. But I never really have an excuse. And so what happens was just the stinger is just sitting there. Um, and it's just, you know, this hunk of metal depreciating in, in value. Little did I know though, how, how the used car market was, uh, was really changing at that time. Uh, but eventually, you know, I got around to just thinking, look, this is not doing me any good. Like at the end of the day, I had to fight against my emotions, right. Um, to say, look, logically speaking, I'm not using this car at all. I'm just paying insurance on it and it's just depreciating, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to sell it and, and that was when I, when I was actually deciding to sell it, it, that was when I actually, uh, realized what was happening in the used car market was a sudden surge of, um, being a seller's market in the used car market. And, uh, you know, dealers were running out of their used car inventories left and right. So as soon as I had, uh, posted my car for sale, the interesting thing was I was expecting a few nibbles, you know, from private buyers and things like that. And, um, and I knew I wanted to sell it privately. I didn't want to trade it in or anything like that. But immediately I got basically contacted by dealers, right? And I was like, that's weird. I didn't know you guys typically like prowl around, you know, Craigslist and, you know, cars.com. But sure mm-hmm. enough, like they, I got all these um, interested parties from dealers that were eventually they got into a bit of a bidding war against themselves um, that I was kind of like, you know, coordinating. But mm-hmm. um, they all wanted the car. And eventually I, I was able to sell the Stinger for like, a few thousand more than the highest like the highest limit in kbb you know what i mean like mm-hmm. uh whatever you think of kbb i don't care but <laughs> like it's still it's still a fairly useful tool and even if you go to like the private sale you know estimates and then you know they give you a little range right mm-hmm. i basically even at the upper range i still got like a few thousand more than that so i was like okay i felt pretty good about that but the thing was um 
you know, I sold the car, so I'm just like basically Carolina and I were like we have to coordinate. You know, we um, I still mostly work from home, so it didn't really matter that much. And this was around the summer, so if I needed to go into work, I was able to bike into work, um, and that was really nice. Uh, but um, the the thing is, I had a bit of a seller's remorse. Not because I wanted to keep the stinger, although like emotionally that was yeah that was sad. It was like losing a kid, you know, losing mm-hmm. <laughs> a child. Um, but it was like, but it was more like that. I checked on uh, the market again just to see because I was just curious. All right, what is a you know what are twenty eighteen um, stingers going for with you know same miles as mine? And I swear they it went up even more. And I was like, damn, I really should have just waited a little bit more. Um, but the uh, anyways, the used car market, yeah, it, you know, it was really skyrocketing. I still definitely benefited from it because I did sell it for much more than I could have. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, it was. It's sad. It's uh, but you know, going to a one car lifestyle was kind of nice. You know, less maintenance overall, less thing, you know, <laughs> less insurance payments. Um, uh yeah in general just like it was good and like i said the minivan was great we had a trip out to um shenandoah at one point and we just took that minivan and shoved basically half our house into that minivan i brought a grill (laughs) i brought a grill we brought like we brought like all kinds of stuff like food for a whole week um you know everything and like there was no way that would have fit in any other car but a minivan. Oh, and we brought uh, we brought two bikes um, and the kids' bikes and all their toys. Like, because we had a bike rack on the back um, on a hitch, so it was like this thing was stuffed. And then we put two bikes, two adult bikes on the back. So I was, I don't know. You, you ever get that feeling of just like when you've invested something, you bought something, and you you used it to its fullest extent possible, and you're like, yes. This was a good yeah, purchase. <laughs> That's what I felt that on that trip. Um, I've had that a couple times, and it's, it's always really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And then it was nice because then um, from the Airbnb, when we, um, you know, decided to go up into uh, uh, into into the Shenandoah parts, um, we could just take one car. Everybody then fit in the car after we took everything out, of course, and then we, you know, got the third row there. But it was like, yes. Then, you know, it was just um, such a practical car. You know, we got it used um, as well. It was a three-year-old car when we bought it, but it was like, like Kia's. Kia's, by the way, they they depreciate like crazy. So, uh, but they're they're not like that much worse. You know, so like our Kia Sedona is when I got it. I mean, it was about sixty percent less. It had already depreciated about sixty percent, which is significant. And like, so you know, that allowed us to basically say, okay. Let's just get like a car, like the top trim, all the bells and whistles. And that's what, so that's the other thing I love about the car, you know, all the heated steering wheels, the ventilated seats, all the fancy stuff. Um, And uh, yeah, so love the minivan. Um, But eventually, I think as we got into, uh, you know, the winter and I had to start going back into the office a bit more. And, you know, like riding a bike in, you know, near freezing temperatures is not ideal. So I just was like, okay, um, I think I'm going to need something. Um, And, um, yeah, eventually bought another car, um, drove all the way up to New Jersey to get it. Um, But, uh, you know, at 
I, I will say I did a lot of research. Um, my mind was pretty much, I will say my mind and my heart was basically set on two types of cars. It was either going to be a, uh, a Jeep Wrangler <laughs> or a like two-door like coupe, you know, some kind of two-door like sporty car. And uh, basically, I mean, I, I went full-on like Jeep Wrangler geekdom, you know, read forums. I got really excited about a the, the, the new Jeep um, Wrangler 4xe, which is their uh, hybrid electric Jeep uh, Wrangler that they first of its kind, right? Um, it can go 25 miles on just electric uh, electricity alone. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, but, you know, it's $60,000. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a brand new model so you can't get it used and um sure. but uh yeah anyways i ended up settling on the two-door sporty you know sports car there were um a lot more sure. to choose from but uh more and more i realized given what i wanted like i you know i wanted a miata right but i don't fit in a miata and i was like all right what else you know there's there's the subaru brz you know and the toyota equivalent right i was like yeah but it's not powerful enough like i wanted it to be pretty fast too because you can't you can't get a you know twin turbo v6 stinger that goes zero to 60 in like was it 4.6 seconds and get something slower after that you know like i i have tasted the nectar you know i can't i i can't go back to something else i can't uh i if i i knew if i needed another car it's gonna have to i would have to it would have to be just as fun as the stinger i i can't i wouldn't be able to settle for less i i wouldn't be able to live with myself and i and i ruined that for myself i'm like man i wasn't even 30 and i bought a freaking like rocket ship basically for a car <laughs> and i was like that was stupid <laughs> dude that's like the whole thing with me where i hopped in a model three and i drove it like basically out of the parking lot across the parking lot and back into the parking lot that, that loop uh the length of an mp6 right at apl <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh i was like that's enough no no more for the, me <laughs> like because he, he he egged me on to hit it and i i gave it some gas and like i felt that instantaneous torque and that pull and i was like no absolutely not like cannot experience this anymore or it's going to be game over for alec like you know <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i know yeah and, and i looked into electric cars for a while too but like none of them really like model threes are still newish enough that there's just like practically none on the used market and uh model sixes on the used market were some of the original ones and i was like eh, mm. nah, nah. and um so basically um i ended up getting a um bmw 4 series it's a 435i inline six um and uh yeah that thing is uh it's, it's it's fun it's got a turbo um but uh as far as zero to 60 numbers it's basically up there with the stinger and gets better gas mileage because it's a smaller lighter car uh it's just sportier it's a two-door like little sports car um and i love it and like so when i narrow when i knew that was like the that was pretty much it for me and i looked at like the uh the audi s5s you know which is more or less its competitor um mm-hmm. for some reason the audi s5s i mean they're like they're really like the same thing like you look at a spec sheet and all that stuff like but it is 
definitely more expensive on the used car market. I don't know why people seem to maybe like the Audi S5s. I personally think it might be a marketing thing. Because, like, an S5, you know, S, wow, like, way different than an A5, right? Like, nobody's going to mistake <laughs> an S5 for an A5. But, like, a 435i versus a 428i, you know what I mean? Like, eh, it's, they're just numbers, right? Like, it's, I, don't, I don't think BMW did as good of a job marketing their, like, their beefier engine models, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like most folks wouldn't know. Uh, whereas, yeah, anyways, so... No, I know what so you I mean. didn't go with the like, Audi because they, they do were... it with the M's, right? Like the M's are very yeah. clear, but the nice, or I don't know if nice is the right word. They're all nice, but like the sportier version, like you said, um, the more enthusiast versions of their standard series are, are hidden behind numbers and you have to be like in their lore to know which one's right. which. And a lot right. of people would compare the S5, the like an Audi S5 with the like M4. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The M4 is the RS5. You got to, like, Audis have <laughs> yeah, another yeah, level right. above the S ones. And that's what the M models are compared to. Like, but you're right. Like, but for the S lines, they're, they, you know, BMWs are their, you know, 335, 435, right? At least in the older generation. Now they've changed that. They've bumped a, they've added five to all those numbers now. But, <laughs> 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 um, two and five, I guess. But, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, it's just it's just numbers, and for like your average consumer, they're like, ah, I don't get this. So it all look, looks the same, right? But um, for me, and I kind of like that a little bit. I'm like, ooh, like um, you know, again, like it was a lot cheaper than the S5s. Performance wise, it's about the same. I prefer the look of the BMWs. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, and the one I got has all the upgraded like LED lights and all that stuff. And like those uh, those angel eyes, you know, the little halos. Oh, oh yes, goodness! I like, haven't seen this I don't car. Know what I just is. realized. I, yeah, because the they, last time we saw you, yeah, you didn't have it because we we saw you right when we got Pixel, and I think you might have been the first person to meet Pixel. Um, and I think it yeah, was, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the first like not us, you know, and and the breeder, so to speak, uh, and, and well, and Rachel's parents, but like you know, first friend, first friend um, that met Pixel, and yeah, like. You didn't have that car. I gotta see it though. It is Angel Eyes or the Angel Halos? Like they are yeah, beautiful, I and, and I, and I do like, like that. It's a very nice look. Uh, yeah. So we went up to Jersey right to get it because um, I mean the the so four thirty five eyes, and again, it's still kind of a it's a, it's the used car market, right? So the these cars don't last long on the market, and uh, like we, I had looked at a, a few other ones already closer by. I mean, I almost I almost went and bought a car. Uh, bought one from these buyers that told me um, right before I was like agreed to buy it that somebody had come and stole the car. They bought the car, gave them a fake check, and took off with it. And there's a whole police investigation with that car. And I'm like, okay, no thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, after that whole ordeal, like I finally was like, let me. Okay, so this car had like great. It was in Arizona, right? It was purchased and driven in Arizona for most of its life. And I'm like, perfect. No snow, no salt, no you know, no rust, right? Um, it had meticulously been maintained. Like I swear, like every the the previous owner had changed its oil every three thousand miles, which is way more than you even need to. But I was like, I, I have no problem with that as a buyer. So I knew, like, mechanically speaking, it's really sound. The material, like, you know, all the leather and everything, like, flawless, like, perfect. I mean, I, the guy, the seller, we did a 
since he was in Jersey, I asked him to just FaceTime me and so he could walk the car around. He opened the engine bay, and I'm like, I swear, this looks like a new engine. Like, a new, like, mm-hmm. it's not wow. even dirty. <laughs> I mean, I know they can, like, wash it and stuff, but it's like, it, it just looked really good. And then, sure enough, when I got up there, like, yeah, the car was just fantastic. It had the exact interiors um, combo that I wanted. And I, and I didn't even, I wasn't even fully aware of all the other options that this car was, but like, you know, just to give you an idea, like, I mean, this car was like MSRP was like $61,000. I, I sure as heck did not pay nearly that much, right? Like, that's a great thing about German cars, man. They depreciate like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Worse than Kia's. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I, even though like I paid maybe a little more than, what I could, when I would have, like outside of you know this seller's market during the pandemic, I'm still like I still think of it as a steal compared to like what it was new, and so yeah, um, love it. Uh, the Angel Eyes, I still love it. Every time you know you when you um you even when you're driving in broad daylight or whatever, and you come up to a stop, and the car in front of you has the right bumper to reflect mm-hmm. the, your headlights back at you, and I just see my daytime running like you know angel eyes and i'm like ah that is amazing that's beautiful (laughs) i love it um yeah and it's got all these it's got like features i didn't even know i wasn't even aware of and i just see them as like perks you know like it has the the heads up driving like display thing on the Mm -hmm. windshield i know your car has that and i was like wonder what it was like and it's fantastic it has swiveling lights like when you turn your uh steering wheel you know the the headlights will swivel oh yeah, like, yeah it's yeah, supposed to help around corners you know yeah yeah like this was, was amazing <laughs> yeah you know what's funny dude is like i mean i guess i'm not i i'm somewhat lying to say i never looked at the speed limit because there's a lot of cameras around me so i like I, I check in the neighborhood but uh yeah i almost never look like at my heads up display because like all it shows me is the speed because i don't use the built-in navigation i use carplay and and otherwise like the only thing else it does is turns and uh yeah i like i literally do not care what speed i'm going i just basically go the speed of traffic <laughs> and right yeah um <laughs> so but yeah i mean it's pretty cool now yours i believe doesn't like prop up and down like it doesn't have a little screen that like pops up it's uh projected to the windshield correct yeah yeah that's much better because mine has this little piece of plastic that flips up and down and every once in a while it gets stuck like I don't know why, but it's like it tries to go up and it forgets or something. And then it just like it's down the whole time. And you can tell it's still projecting, but like it's not. I can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is just like a, the car being a little bit older. It's actually real close to 100,000 miles now. I've had it for six years. That's amazing. Yeah. It'll be exciting when you hit the, the 100,000 mile mark. Six feet. Five and a half years. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to stay in the family. I'm pretty sure what's going to end up happening is like I'll get a new car next year. Well, a, a car that's new to me. I, it might not be new. It'd probably be new, but you know, I don't know. And um, I'll give it to my mom, and then she'll she'll get an upgrade. Um, maybe not from a uh, definitely from a mileage perspective too, but it's still gonna be kind of up there in miles. So I'm trying to keep a good care of it and all that good stuff. <laughs> but not not uh not Rachel. I mean, her Mini Cooper's like getting up there in age too. Right? Yeah, we're probably gonna both end up getting new cars when like it's baby time. Yeah, which I know is like gonna be a a pain financially, but. I guess the nice thing is like we only have my car note right now. So um yeah, we she has an erratic car note <laughs> the whole time. I've known her. The, the main has been paid, so but she's like gonna be much more conservative in a way. Uh like she's basically just talking about getting like a 
uh, a Mazda uh, CX five or something, you know, C five, uh, whatever, whatever the. Yep. Yep. CX five SUV. Yeah, CX five yeah. SUV. That's what Carolina and, had. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, she likes it. Like, she also liked the HRV a lot when we were in it. You know, we'll figure it out at the time and see what's like good at the moment. But um, yeah, we will do that. And then, of course, like, I really want to get a Tesla Model Y, but. We'll see when the time comes. It's just so expensive. <laughs> like, it, so it's expensive and it's not at the same time. And let me get like be clear: it's an expensive car. Don't get me wrong. But what I mean by that is, when I think about like how much I'm paying for my car, which at the time I bought it was like just south of thirty thousand, right? The mm-hmm. monthly payment plus how much I pay in um, gas plus how much I pay for maintenance each month, which I don't actually pay maintenance every month, but if I just save for it and like assume. If I do the same math for the Mazda, or um, if I do the same math for the Tesla, despite it being a much higher price tag, it like I get why they show that other price, that like you know adjusted price as the main price on the website, because I'm like it actually is significantly cheaper because like maintenance is tires, like the only thing you'll ever have to get for the darn thing is tires, or if you get a mm. fender bender, like because the the engine's never gonna go up, it's really basic, you know, the batteries yeah. like aren't gonna go up. And you never use the brakes because you're always regeneratively braking. They like actually tell you in the software now <laughs> to use the brakes every once in a while because they get seized because no one was ever using them. So like, <laughs> yeah. like there's just, there's nothing to maintain with this car. So like when you're saving, in my case, I save three grand a year for like car things. You know, for me now it would be like what you know maybe have to worry about the tires somewhat, um, like some amount for the tires, but it's like a lot less and and gas is like much more expensive uh, than than electric like you know it's just it's like one of those things where i'm like you know i can see like it's definitely a more expensive car than the car i have but over the course of its ownership it might not be that far off it really might not mm. be and i'm like i mm. start to see why they advertise it that way mm. yeah maybe we'll see I, I i don't know i find it i guess i find it a little hard to uh, see you know a sub thirty thousand dollar car even with maintenance and gas be getting anywhere near close to the price of a, you know, a new model Y. I mean, and cause you know, yes, like maintenance overall will be less for an electric car in general, but there are fluids too, tires. Sure. Like, and you know, there's still some and you, you know, and electricity is still not free, I guess. And I don't know if Tesla is still doing any kind of free no, it charging it, thing. It, yeah. It wouldn't be free, but like, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not saying and, it's and cheaper. I'm times. just saying it also yeah. depends on when you charge, because that's the other sure. thing too. Electric electricity, like you know, there are peak times, and if you charge during peak times, which most people do, hence peak, like that's you know you're going to pay more. So I think in general, like yeah, like maintenance costs, you could you could budget one to three thousand dollars a year for maintenance, right, um, for a car, but you multiply that out by like say five years like okay you're looking at at most fifteen thousand dollars on top of a thirty thousand dollar car that's forty five thousand that's still you know good bit less um but anyways like yeah i i now that aside like electric cars are great like if i could afford it i'd get one um but which comes to uh like why why not lease one have you thought about leasing it I have. I put too much miles on my cars recently to to really get away with the lease. Oh, I see. You drive it too much. Well, you can always yeah. get the lease with more miles, can't you? Yeah, no. Like everyone always says that. I'm like, no, that's like fifteen thousand miles. 
like do the math. I do 18 a year, <laughs> you know, like I, you know, just basically by saying my car's almost at a hundred thousand. I've had it for five and a half years. So yeah, I do like 18,000 a year. Now, like, of course, like this could change if we just use Rachel's card more like, but I'm like the driver in chief essentially. So like if we're together nine times out of the 10, I'm driving and I would say half the time when she's driving, she's driving my car and not hers. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think in another, I think, yeah, definitely electric car will be on our horizon someday as well. But I, I, I don't think I will ever buy a new car again given uh so the other thing too that's changed is that like you know two things right one is that i probably won't ever finance a car again and the other thing is i probably won't and because of that really i won't buy a new car Um, we gotta talk dude why would you not finance a car is free money (laughs) uh well a couple different things right the big part of it is actually psychological the, the, the secondary part is really actually financial. And and I would say, like, it depends, right? Okay, 0% for if there's a 0% APR offer, yeah, I would think about it maybe, right? But the other part of it is the, the more important is the psychological, which is that um, it's like the basic dealer's trick, right? Salesman trick is like, oh, look, it, you, they don't ever want to get you to look at the total cost of the car. They're just getting you to look at the monthly payments. So of course, if they can stretch it out to like an eight year loan nowadays, I think, you know, oh, wow, really? and then they show you like that scheme. Yeah. And then of course, and then they say, oh, and then you get the more expensive one, get the one that has all the, the options and you're only paying $50 more a month, right? That's not that much more expensive. And so like, that's the basic salesman scheme, right? And for me, like, I cannot, that just, I, I refuse to, like, look at it like that. You know what I mean? First of all, I don't want to be, like, um, tricked in that manner. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, like, I'm just, like, I know what you're doing. And, and like. It's an effective tactic, but not on me. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but the other thing is, as soon as I tell myself I'm, I have to pay cash and I'm not going to finance it, instantly, even if I finance and I can still pay by cash, you know what I mean? Like instantly though, if my mindset is that I'm paying for this car outright, I am going to buy a cheaper car. Like that's just how it's going to roll. Like, because psychologically I'm like, I'm forking over. I do. I want to fork over $60,000. No, like not in one go. You know what I mean? Like, but I can buy a $20,000 car. You know what I mean? Like, and so for me, like, even if I could, could buy a $60,000 car, right outright i wouldn't want to just because that's a, still a buttload of money for me like but if that's it's an interesting perspective i see what you're if saying it's financed i'm i'm much more like likely and and that's been proven that's been like shown through tons of research like people who just look at monthly payments will easily buy more expensive cars and and unfortunately a lot of times those people are people who people who really shouldn't be buying that more expensive car because they can't even afford it right outright Mm -hmm. speaking Mm -hmm. um but you know you've got salesmen that can you know sell it right (laughs) be based on that monthly purchase so yeah i mean that's really interesting too because like in this conversation i literally was looking at the monthly payment right and how i was saying like well that monthly payment's not very far off from what i'm paying now like almost at all right like at one point because unfortunately they got rid of the darn model y that was cheaper I don't know if you know that. You can still apparently order it over the phone, I heard. But like they had a um a single motor version. And I looked at the single motor version. Like I pay 408 for my car every month, right? Like that's what it is. And 
I think I had it in on the thing for like maybe six hundred and fifty a month for the six year you know loan, same as my current car, six year. And I was like, well, shoot, like let's just do some quick math. Alec, you spend like one hundred and twenty in gas a month, like <laughs> you know you earmark two hundred and fifty for your maintenance. I'm like, there it is. This is the, there's a Tesla, you know, like like I, I certainly could have the amount of money I need for the maintenance and for the get uh you know gas quote unquote the electricity and that payment. I was like, there it is, done. I could even swap these. Now, obviously, like my car is basically paid off, and that car would be not basically paid off, but that was kind of my mindset. I was like, I could easily swap these in my spreadsheet and it would be no different. Um, and that's when I got very excited about a model. Y. <laughs> I was, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say I was close to buying, but I was just like, Ooh, like this is more, I can, I can convince myself into buying this much easier than it was before. Because like you said, looking at the price tag, like just the, the pure price tag, I was like, it's, a, it's more than I thought I'd, I spent on a car. And, and it's, that's why I think it's a big psychological thing, right? Because now when I look back on the, when I bought the Stinger, I was like very much like, oh, this is, this monthly payment is very doable, right? But when I look back on how much that car actually costed, and especially as a new and how much it depreciated and how much money effectively I lost when I sold it, right? Um, even though I, I thought I sold, sold it well, I still lost money, right? Like, yeah. and, um, and I'm like, that just was not the best decision in my life to buy a new stinger like that was a poor decision looking back like i should not have done that um now that said like it was a f- fun as hell car like i i, <laughs> I mean I, 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 it was I, a bad I, decision I, but i don't regret it <laughs> i think I, I mean i don't i don't know the status of of gabe and sebastian but i think they always were fed like y'all ate like <laughs> you know you didn't like <laughs> lose the house over the car i understand like you know in retrospect yeah, you wouldn't yeah, do it again yeah, yeah. like I've, I've i've made purchases in retrospect i'm like eh, i wouldn't do that again but like it, it doesn't mean it wasn't fun and like yeah, kind of made right. somewhat sense at the time but, and, but financially sure. speaking yeah like, yeah, like i don't think it was a good it. decision and yeah. and like for me um and that's the greatest thing is like you know with this bmw i'm like well of course it'll still depreciate but nowhere near the rate of the, its first like five years you know what i mean um and uh and i'm getting it for a fraction of the price and i was able to also buy it outright right and and the great thing is like the other psychological part is that not having monthly payments is great like i would just say like oh look at this the the i'm now able to say we're able to now put aside money for other savings things right because Mm -hmm we're not making these otherwise additional monthly payments that we would have maybe say had to, you know, would have had to gone towards car payments. Right. So yeah, there's just different other psychological things about it too. Um, But I would say the biggest one is that it makes, it forces me to buy a car within my means, right. That, that is cheaper. And so anyways, for me, that was, that was the biggest thing. And then you combine it with buying used because you're not just burning money by buying new cars that depreciate too quickly yeah um, now for I mean, Tesla's, certainly... that might be different i don't i don't i don't think yeah. tesla's depreciate as much but they don't but yeah i mean i hear you i don't know i've never looked at buying a car as like a financial like it just like i i don't a lot of people love buying a house they think like you know buying a house is an investment i hate that i i don't i don't agree like i just zero percent think of my house as an investment i think of it as a sunk cost i also look at cars as that way like i don't look at them as an investment i look at them as a sunk cost i expect to get zero dollars back 
in this transaction and that's like kind of how i look at them um so uh, okay i mean no i'm serious like i but houses do appreciate homes do appreciate i mean especially right now like they're they, they do but they do with inflation i mean i understand they're different like don't get me wrong like your house you might make money a car you will literally never make money unless it's like you know a historic car that you like don't drive um <laughs> or becomes historic um i just don't think that I, I basically know because like a car depreciates, like I assume it will depreciate to zero. I assume I will never get a dime out of this car. And that's like how I go into it. And maybe that's just a different mindset. Like I recently decided that if my mom wants this car, when I'm done with it, she can have it. And like, I'm not going to you know, charge her for it. Right. So it's like, it is literally going to zero. Now, granted it's getting a second life and that's going to be great. And like pseudo like beneficial to me. Right. But I am not, I, I'm not like expecting the money of the sale. Also, like we're talking like not that huge of a difference. It's depreciating pretty darn low at this point. Like I think mm-hmm. I would sell it for like a fifth of its original value. Um, so yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not no money, but it's not like, again, like if you're also like assuming your car is going to zero, it's like, it's pretty darn close to the zero at this point. Like right. it's, it's just going to keep half-lifing. <laughs> and, and you know, you know what? Everybody has different, you know, quite criterious right like at the hell if you're you know making a million dollars a month like go buy a tesla you know what i mean like even if it depreciates <laughs> like what the heck do you care i'm, right? I'm, I'm not i'm not making a million dollars a month though I, so. oh. <laughs> but you know my point is like yeah no, um, i understand yeah like it the money thing it's all it's it means differently to different people i see it also as like okay if I, you know, not buying a $60,000 car and buying a 20000 one instead, hey, guess what? That gives me now 40000 I can go put towards a house or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those other things. Um, although I, I do feel I have different feelings about buying a house only in the sense that, like, you're putting all your eggs in one basket effectively. Um And that eh, is not great. Like, especially in markets now where I hear, like, buyers are you know you you pretty much can only get a house to in certain markets right um by offering cash it's like some people are literally just like look yeah because as a seller you're like you know if you know the buyer needs to finance some amount it's a little less safe quote unquote right like so some people are just outright like hey i don't even need a loan i'm just gonna buy it right out and and i'm just like that terrifies me i'm like you're literally putting a lot you know I mean, who knows, right? But that's a lot of money in one basket right there. Uh, and that is mm-hmm. that is kind of terrifying. But anyways, so yeah, car. Now we have two cars, so much more convenient. I don't have to pre-plan with Carolina or be like, oh, I have to go to the office. And she goes, wait, <laughs> I didn't know that. And no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me about these scenarios and like, when you're talking about getting a car again and like if, if you should do it and I was like, yeah, like it sounds like you've, you enjoyed your time without, you know, the insurance payment, which by the way, there's the one thing I know for sure would go up, you know, if I got this car would be like, my insurance would go much, much higher. So that's definitely a, a consideration into the overall, like, yeah, it definitely cost me more money, but yeah, man, that's definitely a, a good thing that you did that. Cause I think as the world becomes more quote unquote normal. You'll definitely appreciate that flexibility um, in that regard too. And I, and I will say like, it's also nice too, because I'm, I'm kind of thinking a bit ahead in that 
we're probably also going to start looking at um, homes, you know, in the coming months, buying a house again. And I don't want to think about needing to get a second car in addition to a house. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to feel like, oh, I, I, we have to get a house too close to work because we only have one car or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. having two cars now lets me like kind of not put any limitations necessarily because of a car for which house to get, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So that helps, which totally. by the way, man, I, you guys, uh, still looking to buy as well. Yeah. Uh, we actually just got our, our lease situation, uh, in the mail. So that was kind of cool. I guess the cares act is still going on. So our lease didn't go up and we can lock it in for anywhere between 10 to 12 months or actually 12 and 13 months we're gonna do another 12 that'll take us literally perfectly to when rachel finishes this job this fellowship and um we will then we will we will have bought a house at some point like this time next year in one year's time we could definitely have bought or definitely be looking to buy a house um and we i we made the decision last night then i basically like advocated i was like we should just do the 12 months because we always said like Let's do 12 months. Um, we got on this cycle, so it'd perfectly end. And like, if there's overlap for a month or two, so be it. Because I don't want to have to do what we did when we moved here. So we moved here April 1st, whatever year that was, 19, 18, 19, I think. Uh, and she had to commute to Baltimore for her job. And she had overnight shifts and blah, blah, blah. She was living with her friend. You know, she took their second bedroom. And it was there a lot for months until she was done up there. And I was like, we don't have the same network here, you know, in DC. Like we have people we could ask, but I don't want to do that. Let's just make sure you have a spot in case like we do move closer to Baltimore again. And like, you don't have to do that crazy commuting stuff. So that's the plan. And it also gives us time. If we buy a house to like have people come in or do work while there's nothing in there. Like while we own it, but we don't have to move into it, which gives us a little bit of flexibility in the kind of houses we can buy. So there's a lot of good reasons to do this. And, um, you know, maybe we end up spending an extra two to five K, um, in the process, like, you know, with rent. Um, but as long as like, you know, we're saved up for it, like it might be worth it. Plus also just the flexibility it gives us with buying a house. We could save money because, Oh, we bought the house that didn't have a finished whatever, you know, they need to redo the, some bathroom and we just like do it while we're not there, you know, <laughs> and it's much easier and overall like nets us some money. Like there's, it gives us some flexibility and just some peace of mind and doesn't force us to buy a house faster. Cause imagine if we had to be out by April, you know, we have to yeah. just make a decision. So yeah. it gives, I, I think it's worth it. it. We might end up making money from the transaction and uh, at least it gives us some peace of mind. Yeah, I agree. I think when we, we, we definitely want to, um, start sooner um looking at houses at least um because i i for the longest time was always under the same kind of idea like ooh, i don't want to pay for rent and mortgage so let me just wait the whole rent thing out but yeah i i mean we could always stay with like i guess carolina's parents in the area but I don't, nah, I'd rather not. <laughs> and it complicates, um, like, you have to put stuff in storage, like, the move twice, like... Yeah, exactly. And, and like... And it's, it's just yeah. not, like... It's a preparation thing, like, obviously, like, it takes, like, a certain amount of financial comfort to be able to pull something off like this, but it's also just, like, I think it scales in a way, right? Like, yeah. 
when you're buying a and, house like you can like make that part of the plan like you're yeah. choosing to do this kind of style and if you move if you move out of a rental property um you know before the lease term ends um yes you're you know you have to prop for most lease agreements you have to pay through the rest of the lease right but but if they manage to find another tenant they cannot charge two rents right so yes. legally speaking then they can't charge you anymore so and they can't just like not actively look for another tenant because you moved out and <laughs> so yeah. um so anyways i think there are good reasons for like we've had friends that did similar things when they bought their house and they were easily just like uh no do you have a tenant now so they didn't get charged for like you know the remaining three months of their lease which is great mm-hmm. that's awesome might be getting a house together pretty around a similar time um yeah, probably we'll be we'll be looking like come the new year so sounds good if we're ever like if we're we should like lowball offers for each other to help uh to oh, help uh, simulate you, you. That. <laughs> you know what i mean if we're like oh hey alec uh, we're interested in this house but you guys aren't Dude, interested we just we just came up with a, a whole new scheme we could create a bunch of fake buyers that don't actually exist yeah that's that's basically what i was saying and then yeah, have yeah, the yeah. buyers put in very low offers so ours actually look the most attractive it, it reminds me of i love you man i don't know have you watched that movie i felt like i, I bought it and and uh rachel and i watched it the other day and uh because <laughs> it's my favorite movie of all time and the guy comes in and he's like set up and he's like this house is exquisite i'm ready to make an offer and he's just a friend <laughs> you know like, <laughs> he's not actually trying to buy the house but he, he got everyone in the in the open house thinking you know like oh do we yeah, need to make an yeah. offer <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> so to wrap this episode up we got to talk about some like follow up from the last time we we recorded so at the very end of the episode we were talking about how June was anticipating a pen to come in. It was like out of stock uh, and his order was taking a while and he was worried he had to order it again when it came in stock, et cetera, et cetera. And he eventually got his pen. It's a great pen. He likes the pen. And I bought a fountain pen, which I do not know. I think I bought it after we talked on the show, but before the episode came out. And I know we had talked about pens the episode prior of ones you would recommend to me. It took me a little bit of time to actually pull the trigger, but I did buy a fountain pen and I had a pilot metropolitan and I say had because unfortunately about a month ago, I lost it at the post office. I went to the post office. I wrote my, you know, little card to the, uh, to send out, you know, the package to send out, stick on the envelope and I left it and I remember, I figured it out immediately. I turned around and it was already gone. So someone got a nice little, you know, metal pen out of the deal with my signature purple ink. And they're not going to know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, this is the thing that kills me about someone stealing this pen. Like, what's the likelihood that they have any idea what to do with this pen? Like, they have to get ink. They have to, like, learn about fountain pen later. They might have thrown it away. They might have given up on it. I'll be so upset. You know, <laughs> they stole my pen and gave up on it like that. But nevertheless, uh, I did end up really enjoying fountain pen life. And I bought the exact pen. <laughs> not exact. It's a different color uh, colorway. But <laughs> the same pen that uh, June was talking about on the show. The Twisby. Uh, what was it? ALR. Diamond, diamond ALR 500. Yeah, fi- fi- yeah. Five, yeah, 580 Diamond ALR. 580, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh still using my signature purple ink. And uh, it's uh, it's been a good pen for me. And people like have me comments in the lab that I have it. You know, like, mm. like oh, like, yeah. Because like... I forget. What color did you actually go with? 
Yeah, so I, I went with like the gray. I forget uh-huh. like a uh, what exact gray it is. I think there's two. Uh, it's like I think the darker one, the smoky you wanted. And you've wanted the purple one, right? But it's just been I sold out. I do want the purple for, one. Yeah, forever. it's literally been sold out for like as long as we've been talking about pens, yeah. uh, which is like almost nine months, right? So it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what happened because they do they do get sold out quickly. Some of these like interesting colors, like because my the one I got, which is the Prussian blue, that one was sold out for a long time too. But then, but not for more than like a f- couple months. I'm surprised it's the purple. The one's been, insane yeah. thing about that pen is like, I'm almost thinking they're never going to make it again. And the reason why is mm. it's the exact same ones that have been available, right? Like I, I could get it. I could get it in purple. It's just that I didn't want like a stub nib. I want a fine nib, a uh, fine nib kind of guy. And the only offer in a stub. Now maybe I could go ahead and buy their nib and just make it into the one I want, but mm. I didn't want to go down that whole rabbit hole. So, that's why I didn't get the purple one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it looks good, right? Like the nice thing about the smoke one is like if I ever move away from my signature purple ink to like another ink style, it will still fit. You know, the gray is pretty. That's actually part of the reason I did the silver is like I like the I just like how clean it was. Yeah. Now with the fine nib that you got, do you feel like how do you feel about the pen? It's a very wet pen. So huh? It's a wet pen. It's not as fine as the Metropolitan fine. And yeah. I definitely can tell like it, it lets a little bit more out um, yeah. than the Metropolitan did, but I like it cause it's a more expressive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's, have... and that's why you use a fountain pen. You're using it for the expression. Like you, you, yeah, if sure. you're not, if you're not trying to like occasionally bleed it like intentionally on a stroke, like why are you even bothering with a fountain pen? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, that, I mean, use I, a rollerball. Right, so what's your handwriting? Has it changed your handwriting since you've... Yeah, you, you commented that it changed your handwriting. I don't know if it changed my handwriting, but it's definitely like, again, like I said, the strokes are more expressive, but it hasn't changed my approach to strokes, I don't think, if that makes sense. I think I know so. you said you said that you use your elbow. I haven't quite gone in there. Maybe it's because I don't usually write on like, you know, exquisite parchment that like you know this is it's not like a whole like to do but um i don't know i mean you have to realize either (laughs) i I did find out though (laughs) i okay uh, let me let me redeem myself here a bit i i will say that ever since using a fountain pen i've noticed how important that the paper is as well because at the end of the day like i for for some reason the nib of of a fountain pen when it makes contact with the surface of whatever you're writing on it you feel it more through your hands right whereas like a ballpoint pen i i feel like it's always just like smooth right and it's just kind of like blah 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 right but when i'm writing with like a, a fountain pen like nicer paper definitely makes a better dif- um, experience for writing so i'm not using freaking like you know paper from the gods you know like it's yeah. this is like regular paper that you know it's not that expensive i mean like a lot of people like you know rhodia products rhodia papers um those are common and i have some of those but like i just use um for a lot of my work i use like the um what is it the black and red notebooks um those are really good but uh yeah nothing crazy fancy but i'm still not using a bespoke 
notepad. I have what I know what I kind of want out of a notepad. I know you told me those two brands. I've looked into them and like, I still haven't quite found the exact kind of notebook I'm looking for. Like it just doesn't exist. It seems like exactly what I'm looking for. And, um, yeah, I just haven't pulled the trigger. I think I'll, I'll do it somewhat soon. Like just eventually like get something close and just go with it. But, um, I will say I recently filled out a envelope, a standard white envelope and that pen was bleeding like crazy on it. Like it was mm. like, just like screaming, like yeah. give me the ink. And I just was like, Oh wow. Like this is like super different than just writing in the notepad, which is super different than yep. writing on a post-it note, which is super different than writing on, uh, you know, exactly. Uh, I guess, I guess writing on like a, a eight by 11, you know, a a four, like all yeah. this is different. Every single, pe- every single one of these things I've described are different. And I write on them all the time because I have my notepad that I write notes in at work. I have a piece of paper that I have to like sign out my cards with. And I have, uh, you know, post notes at, at home that I use and I have envelopes, of, you know, occasionally I fill out or whatever and, or a, a card, you know, a gift card or not a gift card, but like a card for, uh, for a holiday or whatever. I do that. Yep, that yep. accepts the ink different too. Like everything's different, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's that's the other big part of, of the paper is like when you use fountain pens, because this is another problem you never have with ballpoint pens, right? Like the difference in how much the paper wants to suck out the ink from the pen is dramatically different. I So uh, this may sound ridiculous, but I went through about six different reams of paper at work to try to find the right, the best type of uh, printer copy paper, like copy printer paper at work yeah. that works the best with my fountain pen because... <laughs> Not because actual like, reams. You took one... You, you went to six different reams for one sheet. You didn't use all those reams for what it's worth. Like, no, 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 like, no, no. I opened... <laughs> okay, this does sound kind of stupid. I did open like six different reams of paper, but I yeah. did just take one out of each one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because like I had to take printer paper at home because I print stuff for work and I have to write on it sometimes. So I'm like, all right, I need to find... And the one that I had at home like that we bought from Costco is just garbage. Like it, it just, it is, it bleeds way too much and I can't even, I can't write with it. And even with my other Lamy pen that is not nearly as wet, it still bleeds too much on it. So I'm like, okay, I tried out all six. I finally found a good one that actually works well. And then I brought, and then I brought that ream home. So (laughs) (laughs) I did bring that one home. The chosen ream. The chosen ream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if you have a similar experience, but like w- with the fountain pen, my my handwriting's been better. Like in general, I feel like my penmanship is a little better. And like I wrote a note to I wrote some Christmas cards, you know, last Christmas, and the one when my parents got it, they were like they opened it um they called me um like a you know, a few days later and they were actually telling me they were like, "Did you who who did you get to write this note for?" <laughs> <laughs> they could not believe that it was my handwriting. I'm like, these are my parents who watched me like grow up and my yeah. handwriting change. You know what I mean? Like, and they can't even believe that this is my handwriting. I'm like, I was trying to tell them. I was like, no, this is like I've practiced my cursive and like it's gotten you know it's gotten a little better. And they're like, no way. Like we know what your handwriting is like. <laughs> well, I, I remember when you sent us a, a letter. It was very similar of the experience where I was like, wow, this is like, I knew you wrote it, but I was just like, wow, this is like really nice penmanship and like super nice. Um, so I totally understand how your parents had that reaction, which is kind of hilarious, like you said, because they actually experienced your handwriting much more, you know, closely than I ever did. I, I couldn't tell you what your handwriting looked like beforehand, but like, yeah, it definitely is pretty nice now. And mine's not there. I will say um, the one big change 
And it's not like a huge difference from when I use previous pens, but I'm very intentional now. Every A that I write, like uppercase A, I do in the Amp Creative Studio style. So mm. I do the, like, that. that's like my, my new, like, <clears throat> I don't know, tell, so to speak, is uh, in my handwriting. I do the, the sort of like, not triangle, but you know what I'm talking about, A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then, sorry, real quick, um, just to follow up, the, 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 the comment I made last time about the arm, I believe that was made in regards to writing, but it comes, I think, more from the art world. Because in the sense that, like, if you want to draw straight lines and things like that, don't move yes. your wrist. Move your arm. Move your whole arm. So, in a similar way, if you want to sort of practice writing evenly and writing clearly, like, consistent, you know, your letters are consistent and things like that, you, like, move your arm, not the wrist. So, that's where that idea was from. Nice. Yeah. And the last thing that I recently acquired about a month and a half ago, which we kind of alluded to, is I think it was episode uh, 20 of Overanalyzed, if I don't recall incorrectly. Yeah, it was. Um, it was about the zoom and loatment, and you let me borrow your DSLR. And I kind of was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I think, honestly, like, we could just say openly, like, it was an eight-year-old DSLR at the time. And, like, things have changed. So I wasn't too interested in a, in a camera after using that. Like, it didn't, like, push me over the edge. But I was still thinking about it for when we went on Safari. Like, I want to get a camera. And the confluence of events was that the health and fitness money that Microsoft gives, um, they expanded this year to include mental health activities and hobbies. Like you don't have to do gym stuff anymore because I know like, you know, quarantine gyms, you know, maybe you're not doing that. And they said photography, like they listed it as an option. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you don't say <laughs> and i was like all right well clearly i'm getting a camera now right like this is gonna this is gonna i'm going to buy a camera now i'm not gonna just rent it for the thing i'll, I'll buy it through this program and you got a new camera you experienced uh correct me if i'm wrong i know you got a nikon i don't know which one was it the z7 or z6 or yeah um right i got the uh, z6 initially yeah yeah so you got the z6 and then you tried out the sony a7 III, and you stuck with the sony um right i think because of that iaf well a lot of reasons i actually was lucky enough to take the nikon z6 uh and by the way for the lens i got the same lens for both the sony and the nikon but at the time when i first bought the nikon it was with the the um 24 to 70 lens uh f 2.8 right and the body of the Z6, I, I, it was also right when we went to the Shenandoah trip. So I, ton, I, I had like the perfect opportunity. Like, you know, it was fall foliage everywhere. It was beautiful. All the hikes we did. Like, so the images I got from that were just stunning. And by the way, I will say like images that come out of a Nikon camera is, I don't I know. know what it is. And I've heard other people not- talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I never really understood it. Until then, I started using other DSLRs, right? Other non-Nikon cameras. So when I got my Sony, because I that was the thing was like I was like, okay, I'm sorry, but I need to try another mirrorless because like the, as good as the Z6 was, the thing that bothered me the most was that the face tracking, and I don't even talk about the eye tracking, right? Like the the face autofocus, just it just to me it seemed like it sucked. Like my subject has has to be pretty dang 
close for it to finally throw the box around the face, right? So that annoyed me. And a lot of times if I want to get far away where the subject, when I have the, the person fully like from, you know, head to toe mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. shot, in the composition, they usually will not it. find the face because okay. it's too far. So I'm like, that pisses me off. But anyways, so then I got the um, Sony just to try it out. And the Sony was way cheaper. You know, it's a it's like two or three years older, right, camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has more third-party lenses available. So I got initially then the Sony that I got with the Sony um, 24-70, you know, F2.8 lens. And I started taking pictures of that. And the images that came out, I swear, I was like, wow, you don't say, like, there is something to be said about how Nikon shots come out looking just fantastic. I don't know what it is. And And Canon, too. Like, they, everyone will talk about their color (laughs) science. Like, people, people love the cinematic color science of canons and like also their photos and also the nikons you never hear that about the sony's no one ever talks about the sony color science yeah and uh, and it kind of makes sense because like honestly those raw files kind of suck like you can't use the raws just out of the camera huge and those sony raw files are (laughs) humongous and i'm like i'm sorry i don't know like like the raw files i shoot uh with the uh z6 were coming out at like I remember it was like maybe like 20, 20, maybe 30, you know, mm-hmm. megabytes. Um, the Sony ones were like typically 40 to 60. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And um, anyways, yeah. And and like you said, it's not even like coming out that much better. Like from, you know, obviously we're talking about like the rendering of the raw, right? So somehow mm-hmm. it is the Nikons when they take the raw data and render it to something like it just looks better without any editing. And I'm like, maybe I honestly thought I was like, well, I mean, maybe cause it's the Shenandoahs. There was some magic there. Like <laughs> the pictures yeah. just come out looking gorgeous. And I didn't have the same experience with the Sony, but uh, anyways, I, but at the end of the day, honestly, like I was like saving like $3,000 buying the Sony with the lens. Right. Like, and then, wow. Yeah, and then wow. you uh, oh, I should say that was also after I returned the Sony lens, the Sony yeah. 24 to 70 and got the Sigma 24 to 70, which was like much cheaper. Know, yeah. It was like $1500 cheaper. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Well, it's funny too that you say that, dude, cuz like I, I I did that whole reaction, but I know that. Like I don't know why. It, it's funny every time I hear it, I guess. Like just how dramatically cheaper it is because um I mentioned I got a camera and Rachel's sister's like, oh, like, did you get a Canon or Nikon? And I was like, neither, right? <laughs> and and yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I got a Sony. And, uh, but I don't use Sony glass. You know, I'm using all Tamron over here. I'm a Tamron boy. And uh, the funny part is I was like, yeah, uh, I know it'd be a lot more expensive, but how much? And I looked into it and I was like, oh yeah, it would literally have been like 2.5X for me to buy the equivalent um, body and, and glass from Canon. Because I was going to go Canon if I didn't go with the Sony because I wanted that sick IAF and just autofocus is way better. And I was like, I don't care how good the colors are in the Canon. <laughs> like, I don't care how good the video is. Like, it can't be that much Delta for Alec, right? Who's not a professional. It can't possibly compete. Like all the glass for Canon, particularly for their mirrorless is all like in house and you're paying through the nose, just like you are paying if you buy Sony lenses. And I'm just like, these third party lenses are just as good if not sometimes even better in certain ways, like some of the Sony lenses, they say, don't even bother. Like they need to be fixed or they need to be updated. And these third party glass is so much cheaper and better. And I, I'm very much digging it. Like I already have my second lens and like, I wasn't intending on doing that, but I was like, ah, 
I got to I got to pull the trigger like it was one of those classic like I don't know if this is ever going to get cheaper and I'm probably going to buy in the next year so like why not buy it now like if I can afford it and swing it like I should just get it now and I'll have it for the trip as well um I still plan on renting and not buying the 200 to 600 cuz I just don't see needing that in my normal shoots but for the safaris and whenever I go on safari you know then that's a beauty too is I'm not uh, not safari I'm not going to do safari you know again <laughs> uh, like frequently <laughs> but like if I ever go on a trip where I want like a super zoom the nice thing is like if there's a new 200 to 600 I'll just rent that one right like yeah. I'll rent the newest every time because they don't I I would be surprised if they really offer the older one anymore and I always have the new one for that time I actually need it and like I can give it back and never need to worry about it again well, and the other nice thing is if you do ever actually get a new different camera body, you don't have to worry about, you know, what to do with all these lenses that don't work any that don't fit anymore or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um but I would say too that yeah, for the price and the functionality, I mean the A7 III is phenomenal. Like I think I don't know if you got the same deal, but when I got it from Adorama, it was like uh, it was like four hundred dollars off or something. Like it was. Yeah, it, it's four hundred dollars like, off, and it was I like got for seventeen hundred dollars, yeah. you get a full frame mirrorless camera with like what when you know three years ago it was it would blew every other camera out of the water with its eye autofocus and just autofocus system in general, right? And it, it was so good that even now Canon's newest like R five R six cameras coming out with their IAF are just slightly better, if not like the same as Sony's a7 III. And like, that says something. For a camera that was made three years ago and it wasn't even the top of the line, right? Mm. Um, that it is still c- competing with brand new Canons and it's still better than brand new Nikons from an autofocus perspective. Yeah. So I'm like, this is a no-brainer. For someone who's never gotten into full frame, right? My, my first full frame camera, I don't want to drop like you know, a fortune on it. This made so much sense. Just like, like you said, like you save so much more money, you're getting still quality hardware and software and third-party lenses, so many more choices yeah. <laughs> and cheaper. And, and, uh, the, it was and the like, thing is too, like, okay, like we're talking about our lovely a7 III deals. Like we know why we both talked about it. Like the a7 IV is coming out this year and that's great. And it's going to do some things I kind of wish my car- camera had, I'm sure. And maybe I'll do some things I didn't know it was going to do. Like, I know the video is going to be much improved, and that's like, kind of interesting to me. But at the end of the day, I was like, I don't know what it's going to come in at. But if it came in um, even four or $500 more expensive and didn't come with all the doodads that I got, I was like, I don't know if it's going to be worth the Delta and the time with it, right? So I've had it now. Like the A7 IV is still not out. I thought I was going to wait till now about now to buy it, but I just like pulled the trigger and it's still not out. Like, and maybe it'll come out tomorrow and I don't know, but like it's not out. It doesn't seem like it's coming out just yet. And I'm sure it's going to be hard to get too, right? Like I can't imagine they're going to run deals on it. It's going to be like selling out immediately once it does yeah. come out. So there was a good reason for me to get the three, get it now. And um, I've been enjoying every mm-hmm. second of it. It's, it's so much fun to shoot with. Um, and it's funny cause I'm complaining about the raw files. Like you can fix them, right? Like, you know, you do your tweaks yeah, and, like, exactly. and then you're like, Oh, this, exactly. this, this image looks great now. But like just out of the camera, they're just dull and like kind of sad. <laughs> you got to punch them up. Yeah. Yeah. And you're using Lightroom now? I'm um, not yet. I, I will probably end up using Lightroom oh. after this weekend, but like I have, uh, intentionally not bought it. Like I'm doing that classic, like the day I buy it, I'm going to make sure I have a ton of time to sink into it. Um, and I still have like a lot of my rolls. I was going to ask you like after the show about maybe your roll workflow because it's going to, it's a lot of space, <laughs> you know, like yeah, all these rolls. It is. I, 
I mean, the short answer is I delete a lot of them. I basically export yeah, as um, JPEGs at the end and call good. Yeah. Well, so all right, you want to get into the workflow? I can. I can definitely. Sure. It's it, overanalyzed. It won't take too long. Yeah. All right. It is overanalyzed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, SD card into the computer. You know, I open up Lightroom. I um, copy over everything into my catalog, right? So every photo unedited, you know, no additional editing. So it copies all of that over raw, right? And I only shoot raw. So uh, yes, initially, shit ton of memory coming over. But, you know, with those uh, UHS-2 freaking crazy speeds, it doesn't even take that long. And then once it's over on the computer, my workflow, I have a couple stages, right? So initially... I do a quick batch, like, okay, let me just scroll through these real quick and identify the ones that are obviously bad, like, you know, blurs or like, you know, just totally bad compositions, whatever. I just immediately mark those as rejected and I immediately delete them. So I, so once you mark them as rejected, you know how to do that, right? You hit the, you could do that X or you do the uh, no, I, I don't have a Lightroom workflow at all yet. That's what, like oh, I said, right, I'm right, a, right. Okay. I have a big day of Lightroom, but basically I do the Sorry. same thing. Like ton of shortcuts, I, and yeah, like yeah. you can mark, you can tag photos as as uh, pick or rejected, mm-hmm. or you can unflag it. You can also rate them. Anyways, mm-hmm. so I just quickly set the ones I don't want, the bad ones rejected. Then you can filter by that flag. So filters to say, give me only the ones that are rejected. I select all of those. I delete them. I don't just delete, but keep the raws. I delete it on the disk right? So they're gone. So, um, freeze up a little bit of space there. Then my second round of culling is I actually go into the, still in the preview mode, right? In your main library mode. Um, you turn on auto advance and then you bring, you click on the, you start with the first photo and you just make it big, right? You blow it up one-to-one, right? You hit E for that, by the way. And then, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then you're in this one-to-one mode and basically, you're just quickly, you spend less than a second on each photo. And you're just hit, either hitting X or P, X or P, right? X, say, for don't keep and P for keep, right? So eventually, you get to a, a state of, like, instinct and, and I such that you could do this so quickly, right? You're going through each photo. And because it's auto-advanced, as soon as you've either tagged it as P, pick, or X, reject, it automatically goes to the next one, right? Yeah. So you're just basically quickly saying... I want it. I don't want it. I want it. I don't want it. You know, and you quickly going through. And so then once you've gone through your 500 photos, whatever, you know, from your shoot, you go back out and then you do it again, filter by the rejected. Mm-hmm. And I just delete all of those. Right. Yeah. Um, now, last round of culling. This is usually when I have a few, like my favorite compositions of shots. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'll definitely have duplicates, a bunch of them, right? Yeah. This is my final calling is to get rid of the duplicates. So that's where then Lightroom does the best job I've ever seen at trying to compare and get rid of duplicates because they have <clears throat> they have a couple tools, two tools that are really useful. One is a survey. One is the compare, side-by-side compare. Um, the survey lets you choose, you know, you multi-select a bunch of photos and then you hit N or survey and it just boom, like immediately puts all the ones just the ones you selected and puts them into like the full screen um all and then you can you can you can easily just click on the ones you don't want and it filters them out and it makes the rest of the ones that you keep bigger and bigger and bigger until you're like down to two and they just like right next to each other then you can hit c 
which is compare, and it brings the last two that you like the most side by side. And when you click and zoom in yeah. on on one photo on one side, it automatically zooms into the same spot on the other photo right. at the same time. And so you can check for focus, like you make sure which one is sharper, and you keep that one. I actually on iPad OS have a very similar app called Best Photos that does like hmm. all these things that you're talking about. And I guess it was kind of inspired by Lightroom and um, for calling, you know. Uh, so in a way, like the best experience I could have probably with calling my fo- or photos right now is not to do it on the Mac, which I always do at this point, uh, but to do it on the iPad because like I have that app. Nice. Yeah. And for the longest time, up until the latest update that they just put out, it was slow as hell. I will say Lightroom, yeah. when you're scrolling through the library, oh my God, it's like, I'm like, you have a fast computer, software? right? Like it's like, and, yeah, yeah, it's not the computer. I yeah. <laughs> Definitely not the computer. It was definitely more the software side, but this this last update, man, I swear, it's like imagine going from you know when there was uh, when iPads had promotion, yeah. Like imagine imagine going e- not even having the previous iteration of it, but like you know, heck, like you know, twenty four hertz or whatever. Like imagine going from something really bad refresh rate <laughs> yeah. to promotion. That's like what it's like. It's like oh my goodness, they've they've like really leapt ahead, and they also fixed a ton of other bugs, but. Anyways, last <laughs> Lightroom update was a good one. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, definitely, that's that's my workflow. So, typically, what I'll end up, like, I can go from 500 photos to 20, right? Yeah. After an hour. Oh, totally. Right? And, and the greatest thing is then those 20 photos are all unique. There's no duplicates. And they're the, my favorite ones. And I usually export them as, uh, you know, highest quality JPEGs. And I keep the raw still, but the reason why I export the JPEGs is that then I use those JPEGs to import into Apple Photos Mm -hmm. because that is where I share my photos. Um, So uh, once it's in my Apple Photos, you know, I could share it to shared albums, whatever, yada, yada. And it syncs to my iCloud, right? So Mm -hmm. that's good, right? So it's a bit of a backup, though it's not backing up the raws. Um, However, I do back up the raws anyways. I do back up the computer itself. So... So you keep? Do you do keep the final raws? You're saying I keep like those the, final twenty raws. Sure. The other I mean, four hundred eighty I, I have deleted off the oh, disk. Yeah, they don't me exist too. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not and worth then, keeping. Like right, they exactly. really aren't. I don't understand why people. Some people are like, don't delete the raws. Don't delete them off the disk. I'm like, dude, four hundred eighty. Like, if you're literally saving ninety five percent of your raw photos that you don't want. That is like the largest waste of space I've ever heard of. You know, especially talking well, about like just Sony like du- Raws. I mean, they're duplicates. Like, yeah, you know, you, that you too. Hit, you're dropping the hammer. You're like, let's go buffer. And, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to fill the buffer for sport, but like sometimes <laughs> you're like, I don't know when the best moment's going to be in an action. And I'm just yeah. like, just go. Like, IF track, like, hope for the best and fire <laughs> away. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. And, you know, Maybe, I mean, usually the Sony's really good at it. Uh, and you're just like, oh, all these are tack sharp, and now I get to pick the best moment. And that's exactly why you did that. But like, all the rest of them are garbage. And if you're dealing with a kid, the same thing. Like, you don't hit one. You're just like, <laughs> you know, like trying to get that best yeah. expression from the kid because they're just moving around. They don't know that you're trying to get a picture uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, like 100%, dude. It's I, in, that madness. Yeah. You know, and I will say, I have on more than one occasion have some have had somebody who I was showing like you know photos to on my phone, right? And and they will comment on how 
organized my photos are uh, from the uh, like and what they mean is like wow you don't have a ton of duplicates and and i'm like yeah because i got rid of them all <laughs> and like it takes time to cull through your photos like that but it's for me like it's rewarding especially when i'm trying to find a photo and i'm scrolling and yeah. i'm not going through just tons of duplicates well, you know you, what i mean and like, you have to we just discussed how these these photos like you're not going to ever share and be happy with the raws like when yeah. you say like you're with the Sony, if you shoot JPEGs, they don't they don't totally suck, right? Like the JPEGs, they definitely do more too, uh, and like it doesn't you don't hate mm-hmm. it. But the the, the RAWs like are almost un- unshareable at first. Like I mean, like I wouldn't, right? We we have a, a different standard probably to our work, but we're just like you know we don't want these to get out yet. Like they need to like we gotta go through Lightroom right. first, or I gotta go, oh you know, yeah. At, yeah I mean, I forgot the whole yeah. develop part of Lightroom. Yeah, yeah the actual <laughs> sure. editing part. But, but I mean, yeah, you don't have to go into that. But like, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's we we have to develop them, and like that's the that's the process, right? Like you do your shoot, right. you go home, hopefully the same day, and maybe maybe it's a day or two later. You sit down, you import everything, you call, you do it, and then once you have all your photos, you develop them. Maybe you fix composition, you fix your lines, do whatever that you wish you had done, you know, uh, at at the get go, or you didn't have the lens to do it, whatever it is, and. You like then you finish your photos and you're like that's it and then what I do uh, in my current workflow is I, I then create a shared album of that that photo set in Apple Photos and I call it the date and like a, a title for it and then like it's like that's that sh- that photo shoot and like yeah like you said like I shot like 500 images and here's 13 <laughs> like yeah, yeah you know like I'm I'm done that's it <laughs> and you have yep. to because like unfortunately like we said like I I love you know when I take my iPhone. I snap a photo and it's gotten so darn good lately that half the time I don't have to even edit it. Like I'll go and try mm-hmm. to edit and I'm like, you know, barely doing anything. Cause like, it's just so smart about all the HDR and the color science yeah. and everything. It's just like super good. And you're just done. But also the other thing that's funny too, though, June, I'll tell you, I'm just unsatisfied now with my iPhone photos half the time. They're like, I can see that they're smoothed out to all get out. Like, yeah, I know I don't have as many megapixels. Like, you know, you, yeah. You don't you don't try to zoom in, man. Yeah, you can't creatively crop. As soon as you zoom like, in, it's like, oh you god. Can't, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't creatively crop. You can't like. I wouldn't even like dream of like printing them a big. Like, I just feel like they wouldn't hold up. Like, they hold up really well on the screen. They hold up really well on your laptop. They hold up really well printed in a photo book. But like, God forbid you ever wanted to like print it, like bigger. I know that you could. Like, I'm probably like being like. I know, like, people have done it, and, like, it's fine. But, like, it's just, it just it's like, ah, okay, I can tell there's a difference here, you know? Like, there's definitely oh, yeah. a lot of, They're doing some cu- shortcuts to make these images look nice. I mean, they're good for certain things. I mean, like, when we were out in Colorado skiing, like, and I thought about bringing my <laughs> my camera up, and I was like, eh, nah, and just had my um, my phone camera, and that was great. And especially when you're out, like, like when I was at the Rockies, like you, you know, when we we're at the, you know, the tip, right? It's like the peak. You, I mean, you got to do panorama, like, yeah. like you know, those are just really convenient to do with your phone nowadays. Um, but as soon as like there was one shot where I had, um, I wasn't doing panorama, but just landscape, right, with um, my friend and her dad, like out, you know, a little further beyond. And but they weren't at a distance that was like I would think like super far away. Their full body wasn't were in the shot, yeah. right? So I was like, oh, this is great. And then later on, I had my uh, Apple Photos, uh, you know, on my Mac out, and uh, you know, I synced over and I pulled it up just to look at it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it, I can barely make out their faces. It was just mm-hmm. so it was 
pretty blurry where it's their smooth. faces actually were. They smooth yeah, it. It's, it's, they smooth it They smooth it over, but it just looks unnatural. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I like zoom in on it, and I'm like, ooh, like that doesn't look right. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad. You know that, and that's that's just one of the downsides. Um, and yeah, of course, if you ever try to shoot like you know. Oh, what is it? Um, you, portrait mode. You, mm-hmm. You've seen all those, like when portrait mode goes wrong, like oh, sure. cuts off your glasses or whatever. You know, cuts off. <laughs> yeah, with portrait mode, you're doing the same thing that you do with uh, a phone when you drop the shutter. Like with portrait mode, you might want to take a couple because, like, you're hoping the processing doesn't screw up your glasses for glasses wearers. Mm. You know, and yeah. like that. I mean, it's like a lot better than it used to be. And sometimes you take a portrait mode photo. Like I've taken a couple portrait mode photos where I'm just like, wow. Like the cutouts almost perfect. Like there's a lot of reasons that you might not think like this is a iPhone po- photo, except for the fall off. I've definitely like now that I like see what the actual like sh- image should look like all the time. I'm like, ah, eh, I can kind of probably pick it out every time, but it's it's harder and it's harder if they're small. Like I said, like it, when you blow them up, you can tell it's bigger. You're like, oh, it's it's a very sudden like very sharp image to now bokeh. <laughs> Whereas it doesn't yeah. have the fall off that you're exactly yeah and and for, honestly like I I will never know if I want to print out any of these photos so I would rather have them shot to the highest resolution possible you know what I mean like be, because who knows I might like Carolina and I we like to occasionally print out some photos and hang them up so I don't want <laughs> I don't want us to find a great photo and then realize oh shit it was taken on an iPhone with terrible. <laughs> It's like well, it's also like if you're pushing it right. Like what I basically yeah. have noticed is like my indoor shots with the iPhone. Oh yeah, like, almost like Ugh. unbelievable. Like it's actually really interesting. Like they they fall apart quick. It's like when it's outside and you have good light. Like yeah. actually, an iPhone shot can really hold up. Like really, really hold up and be mm-hmm. very, very comparable to a DSLR or a mirrorless. And like and portrait mode works better. Everything works better. But the second you get lower light situations, it's it really falls apart real quick. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something I feel like appreciate now having the full sensor or the full body mirrorless. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like I can go to I can crank up my uh, ISO a little bit. And it's like, you know, you can definitely tell there's a little bit of noise, but it's not nearly as much. And it's much more pleasant. Right. And the image holds up much better. And you're like, OK, I can deal with this. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just spoiled now from this thing. I'm like, oh, this is this is how you're supposed to take an image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you you jumped straight into full frame. Right. So. That's, yeah, um, yeah, I never had that's that pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, straight into full frame, straight into IAF, straight into like, um, you know, like fast glass. Like, I didn't get a kit lens. Like, I just was like, all right, you know what? Like, let's do this and do it right. And like, do it right. <laughs> and it's it's and nice. You're, and you're le- you're shooting in manual, right? I'm, yeah, I'm so, shooting in manual. <laughs> look at you, man. Huh. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. After, after priority was a nice crutch for the first week, and now I'm, the, I'm Mr. Manual. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, That's funny. Well, I'll be honest. Like you know, manual's an interesting. That's a whole nother. I I haven't gone full manual. I I'm still auto ISOing most of the time. But uh, that's what I do too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Auto ISO right now. I've thought about locking in my ISO, but I feel like the light changes too much outdoors. I think like just like how the sun moves. Like I don't even want to like. I got I got caught. You know I got I, I got caught, dude. I tried to be cute and set my ISO once and they and it owned me. I was overexposing some in- images and I couldn't tell them the viewfinder mm. for whatever reason. Like it just wasn't obvious to me when I was shooting. Mm. And like, I feel like those photos just aren't quite right. Like I, I kind of recovered them. You know what I mean? And I'm kind of curious if I take them into Lightroom when I get Lightroom, if I can maybe make a better edit of these. 
and but like i just like ah, like they're just not quite right and i think it's yeah. because my exposure was off yeah and that's the thing is i would much rather have the shot exposed correctly especially for shots where something happens quickly i don't have time to like you know yeah. my subject isn't gonna wait around because he's a freaking four-year-old running yeah. like crazy <laughs> yeah. you know like if he's doing something cute i need to be able to quickly capture it and i can't fumble around with an iso you know i mean hell like managing aperture and shutter speed is hard enough as it is you know what i mean <laughs> to get those dialed in correctly um much less to also make sure you got your iso correctly so that's yeah i don't want to deal with that so anyways yeah good man yeah i'm excited fun, fun we, we still need to go out on our um our shooting trip um do we do we set a date for that uh we do have a we have a date it's uh in about uh i think actually exactly uh two weeks from now on the 10th i think I that's right that. the 10th yeah. yeah and uh we'll we gotta pick a place so, though yeah i mean i love how we call it a shooting trip we're like literally like which park in the area between us we're gonna go to <laughs> <laughs> we mean shenandoahs right you me <laughs> i mean leave our sick leave our wives <laughs> i would love that that'd be a lot of fun but uh i don't know if it's in the cards <laughs> no carolina would kill me <laughs> <laughs> you just went to denver for four days 